Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Now, before we get into today's topic, I wanted to share my free resource with you. Tasha's Toolbox and Strategy Kit includes 30 tools for creative and strategic content on Instagram, including my best tips, strategies, practices, all for growing on Instagram. Download the freebie at soulstudiomarketing.com slash toolbox, or I've linked it in the show notes for you. Now let's get into today's episode. I am so excited to have my dear friend, Natty, on the podcast. We are just like kindred spirits. I feel like that's like the only way to really describe it. We connected online, but I feel like our connection is just like so much deeper than just being like Instagram friends or anything like that. So I'm just so excited for you to share your wisdom with everyone listening because I feel like every time we connect and chat, I'm just like so inspired. I, I feel so good. Your energy is just amazing. So I'm so excited for you to share it with everyone. Oh, Tosh, thank you. I'm so excited that you wanted me on here. Like I'm honored and I feel the exact same way about you. I always leave our conversations feeling ready to tackle the day. So yeah. this is going to be good. <laughs> yes, it's going to be so good. So just to preface, we kind of meet, I guess you could probably say quarterly, but we meet every once in a while to kind of catch up. And I feel like our catch-ups often kind of lead to just really inspiring conversations. So we kind of want it to mimic that in a lot of ways. So just kind of like you're listening in on our conversations very casually. But I thought we would kind of start with how we first had our first encounter. Um, we met in a Facebook group, oddly enough. We were like going back in time. We're like, is that really how we met? Yep, that's that's how we met. <laughs> and then we had our first conversation. And I think the first thing that we connected on was like, our names are both Natasha Marie, which is like very Crazy. interesting. And then we were going through like the same season in life at that point. Like we were both living at home. We were both like had this vision, this dream for like the next steps for us, but we kind of weren't like, I guess not happy, but we weren't fulfilled where we were right then. We were like ready for that next stage, but we were doing what we kind of had to do to to transform, if that makes sense. So how are you feeling like when we first chatted that day and we were kind of going through that season? Like, how was that like for you? Yeah. If I put myself back in those shoes, I remember feeling in limbo between, you know, when you've got like your current self and then where you desire to go. Yeah. It's not always that direct line of like, oh, I recognize where I want to go. So I'm just going to be that now. Mm -hmm. For me, I feel like I hang out in that limbo space for a little bit of not so much fully embodying who I desire to be, but definitely not the old version of me either, because I'm trying to work towards something else. So when we met, I was limbo natty. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like you said, I was I was hopping around quite a bit. I wasn't necessarily living at home. I was in Toronto. My family was back 
in Alberta, but I was going from like between my apartment to like my then partner's place and back and forth, back and forth. So we met at a time where I feel like structurally I didn't have a home yeah, and that just played into my business too. Like my business didn't have much of a home. Yeah. I was definitely in that same stage too, where I had just moved back home, which was a really hard decision for me. And I kind of had this vision where I knew I wanted to move to Spain. And that was kind of the thing I was kind of just like obsessing with. And we'll kind of talk about how that's transformed for me in a lot of ways for to be kind of a better outcome in the long run. But I was like trying to find kind of like the silver lining of that transition stage, like that limbo stage you were talking about. But it was really tough and like moving home from having like my own space completely to then like, like sleeping and working out of the same room, living with other people again, aka my parents, which is always exciting. (laughs) And yeah, I feel like we were both kind of like trying to cope with it because it's not the sexy thing that people talk about where it's like, yeah, you're an entrepreneur and you move back home and you're figuring out family stuff and you're figuring out your life and you're, you know, ending relationships and all these different things are happening. Yeah. Those are moments where I like to document them, like take photos to later reflect back on. I have this picture right before, like right before moving to Bali, leaving Toronto, when I was selling all my things, mm-hmm. I have this picture of, and I slept like this for weeks. <laughs> I have like a, a yoga mat on the floor and like piled blankets and some pillows and a sleeping bag. It looked like not legitimate at all yeah. to run any kind of business out of, but there's some there's some sweetness to that story. Like you're right. It's not a glamorous part of what you would see as like the laptop lifestyle. Yeah. But um, still part of the journey nonetheless and still very fun. Definitely. And with you just in like your career and your business in general, like you've gone through so many evolutions and transformations and shifts. How do you know when it's time to shift for you? Like, how do you know? Because I know you're kind of going through that right now where you're like, okay, this is another chapter, another season. And I feel like you're so fluid with how you do that and how you kind of adapt and accept to that change. How do you know for you? And how has that kind of changed where you kind of adapt to it, plan for it, and make that next move? Hmm. Well, thank you, first off. Yeah. So with pivots, I think it's mostly an intuitive pull Mm. when, I don't know if you can relate to this or anyone that is listening can relate to this, but for me, I feel like a natural change Mm. just pulls me in the direction of making a pivot. Yeah, And at first, I don't really meet it with grace. At first, I'm usually like, no, things are stable. Things are good. Like, why would I want to change this? However, being able to then look back in hindsight, it's like, oh, that naturally makes sense. So I think that most everything, if you have a desire, it's the work of the unconscious mind to get you towards that goal, like realizing that outcome. And it's going to achieve that in a way that doesn't make sense to our conscious mind. So when it comes to pivoting, I just try to remember that, that even though consciously and logically, this makes zero sense that my mind wants to attack this like a Quentin Tarantino movie right now and just (laughs) throw in (laughs) scenes that are out of order. But 
it's like this knowing of, oh, this is actually like in a way the natural law of how things are going to work out for me. And I don't think it's natural, but I should just dive into this. So it's, it's a lot of, (laughs) it's a lot of blind faith. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we kind of like try to control it or ignore it where we're like, oh, but things are going well. Like you said, things are, things are cool. It'll work out how it's supposed to work out. But sometimes you have to make those hard decisions for you to go on the path that you're actually supposed to be on, which I think you've kind of experienced yourself. Mm, Yes. (laughs) I completely agree with what you're saying. I think when like we control the how, that's us doing a job that's not ours. Our job we could look at this from a spiritual sense for sure. Like our job is to declare what it is we want and then be flexible in how that's going to unfold. And I think that relates so much to branding and business, like especially with the current state of the world at this time that we're recording it, right? Like businesses are now having to exercise their flexibility muscles and their ability to adapt and innovate on the fly. And if we're focused on the how, there's no room for us to play and to adapt and be agile and flexible. So this sounds silly, but like having the focus on the destination, but being so open to the route that's going to take you there, I think is so necessary. Yes, I agree. So when we met, you know, I was so set on moving to Spain. That was like the only thing I could see. And then when we were kind of recapping months after that, when it kind of didn't happen, I kind of was like, I was fighting it emotionally for so long on why it wasn't a good fit for me anymore. Like I I fell in love and that was my why. And I had to kind of accept that that wasn't my goal anymore. That wasn't my dream anymore. And just to not be stubborn about it. How have you seen that kind of happen for you where you've kind of had to make those decisions where you were like kind of being stubborn with it? I don't know if that's just me. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) Girl, I can get so stubborn because my ego thinks it knows best. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Natty, you got, no, I'm always wrong. Uh, Which is why it's like tapping more into that blind faith. And so I'm in that right now. The poll is you should leave Bali. And I'm like, why would anyone choose to leave a beautiful place like Bali? And to your point, yeah, I was so stubborn and I was justifying it and really enabling the behavior of trying to stay small, yeah, trying to stay comfortable. So I'm in that right now. And also to your point, yeah, I think dreams evolve. And if we're not in the motion of our new dreams and we're just staying at the very comfortable top of achievements, at what point is that going to be enough for us? Because I think we're beings that are always trying to look for solutions and always trying to create more freedom outside of ourselves too. Like, you know, trying to benefit. I think there's an inherent good in a lot of people. And so when we reach like all of our personal goals, I think that's when we start to look outside of how else can I impact? Like what else can I do? And that's kind of what I'm going through right now is, Life is amazing here. However, there are other goals that take precedent right now. And I'm still living Natty's 2017 dream. Because I think when you connected, that is something that we that we shared. You wanting to move to Spain. I wanted to move to Bali. We just wanted to go out and fly. And now those dreams have changed for us. 
Exactly. And it's not that it's bad. It's not that we didn't achieve the dreams. It's just that they changed. And I really love how you talked about how, you know, it's kind of like an up-leveling thing where you can kind of get comfortable with your where you're at and it's fine. Like it's doing the job. But if you want to get to that next level, like you sometimes have to get really uncomfortable with what you're investing. And in. I know that's huge for you right now. And that's been something I was experiencing the last few months. And just like finding new ways that you can transform your own self by not getting stagnant in where you are. And that also got me thinking of having multiple passions because I know you've done so many things. I mean, you've been like a yoga instructor, you've done like brand and design, you even had like a business partner at one time, and now you're pivoting into something completely different. So what do you have like advice for other people that are multi-passionate entrepreneurs and they want to do all the things like have those doing all those things, given you a different skill set. How do you find time for all of those things? Like, how does that kind of look for you? Yes. Okay. That's an amazing question. And it rolls right off how our dreams evolve. Here's my theory. I think that as each person starts to do more self-awareness work and personal development work, work around their core values, which I know you did a lot of work in, and it speaks to pivoting too. I think what naturally happens is a person starts to excavate and uncover more parts of their self that they want to express. And that naturally changes them in their careers too, or it opens up curiosity portals of maybe I'll try writing, or maybe I'll try some art or dancing or podcasting. And so I think that the advice I'd give is continue to do that self-awareness work, to do the uncovering and excavation of what curiosities you can follow down the rabbit holes. And then as you like awaken to that potential of yourself, embody as much of that that feels good and bring that to work, whether you work a nine to five or you work for yourself. I believe that multiple passions, like the things that you can take from those are only going to allow you to fully express that potential so that you can love and lead from that place of potential instead of just choosing little sliver sides of yourself. So really dive in and embody all of that as much as you can. Exactly. I feel like people always hear the pressure of like, you have to niche down, you have to find a niche. And I think that there's beauty in experimenting and doing all these different things, because that's when you really when you'll find what are your passions? What are you really good at? What do you really enjoy doing? And how can you best serve others? But that also plays a role into hobbies. I know last time we chatted, we were talking about our hobbies. I know scuba diving is huge for you, which sounds like a major hobby. Like that's not just like I'm like crafting. That's like I'm literally scuba diving in the ocean. So why are hobbies so important for you? I I will talk about mine too. But why are hobbies just so important for business owners, for creatives? Because I feel like especially as millennials, we often can feel like you have to monetize everything or everything has to be like a side hustle or a business when it's like, why can't you just have a hobby to like have fun and take care of yourself? Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. Why can't you have a hobby to take care of yourself? That's why I have those hobbies. Exactly what you said to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Because when I, when I get to scuba dive, for example, anyone who has ever done scuba diving knows that all you can hear is your breath. 
Yeah. And I find it to be such a meditative experience where I experience like a state of flow very similar to how I would feel meditating. Yeah. Or how I would feel just like drawing and doodling or writing. So I think hobbies are so important to tap into so that you can be in that flow state because then you're quieting parts of your analytical mind and allowing the flow of more creative inspiration to come through. And don't you find that when you are doing something like crafting that you suddenly have good ideas oh my gosh. that are related? All the time. Yes. I feel like whenever I'm doing like yoga, which is like the most unideal part, like I feel like I always get really inspired. Like I always have so many ideas, even though I'm quieting my mind, I feel like that's when those like hidden ideas that I wouldn't have tapped into really come about. And um, when we're recording this, I just got back from Alt Summit and everyone knows I like went crafting crazy. Like I did macrame and watercolors. I was like, I will do every craft here. Like I wanted to just experiment. And I feel like the biggest thing with me is it actually helped me overcome my struggles with perfectionism because I was like, well, I'm not an artist. Why am I watercoloring? Like I'm not going to be good at it, but it's not about being good at it. It's about just enjoying it. Cause even I remember you were talking about when you were scuba diving, you were talking about how there was like one moment when you were diving where it kind of like, you kind of had a weird experience and you're probably thinking like, I'm not good at this. This isn't for me. Like I'm, you know, too petite or whatever, but that doesn't mean that it's just that you have to kind of experiment and kind of like getting comfortable with it to find the joy in it. Totally. I think a lot of people that run a business or maybe listen to this podcast, they probably are interested in having a growth mindset and what a fun way to tap into that by doing something that you feel you're quote unquote, not good at. Like poetry is that for me. I don't, I'm not a poet, but I like stringing together words that to me sound beautiful. And like similar to when you're doing yoga, when I'm doing that, I am tapped in and like tuned into a place of ideas just popping up and maybe they're not ideas for me. Maybe they are something that I can communicate to someone else, but whatever chosen art form or hobby, like don't have to be this artistic master like you're just bringing to light any hidden potential through that through that hobby oh yeah I completely agree and it really is just self-care in a lot of ways and I know we've talked about this a little bit how I know when I was doing a lot of one-on-ones I was like I just feel so drained and like you were kind of encouraged me to think like how can you just do self-care in little bite-sized pieces you know before and after which I feel like was such a great tip so what kind of does self-care look like for you and why do you think it's important? But besides like, you know, the fluffy, beautiful things that we think of like massages or facials and stuff, which are all really great in that self-care too, but like actually getting to like the micro pieces of self-care or just like the simpler parts of self-care that we can all implement. Yeah. I love you for that question. You're always getting to like the functional nitty gritty that people can apply everywhere. I love you for that. So I have come to learn that I am not a person that can have a very structured morning routine. Mm. And I know that that idea of like, this is my night routine. This is my morning routine is quite popular. No, what I've learned about myself is I prefer to have a toolkit of self-care practices that I can just pull depending on how much time I want to devote to it that day, what I'm in the mood for, what would serve me best for the rest of the day, and just picking and choosing from there instead of feeling like, oh, well, I have to meditate for 20 minutes because that's part of my routine. The structure doesn't give me the freedom 
to be in the space of self-care, which is the whole point, right? I just pick and choose what feels good, but what always comes up is writing. Writing, I think, is a, an amazing way for people to document what's going on in the background of their minds so that they can get on top of it and around it. Because we're often thinking of the same thing every day and we don't realize it until we can have the evidence to staring back at us of, wow, I really think about this problem a lot or this person a lot. Why is that? Where did I learn the willingness to hold on to negative thoughts and emotions? And yeah, that's a really good point. And I think oddly enough, like I would consider myself, I, I love writing as like my job. Like I love writing captions and copy and I love that creative part. But I think something must have shifted. This is like getting deep. Something must have shifted when I was in high school where I started doing it as like, you know, for journalism and for my class and for the newspaper and all those types of things. So I think when that structure came in, I almost kind of got like lazy with it where I felt like kind of that perfectionism coming back again, where I'm like, if I'm writing, like my handwriting has to be perfect. You know, it has to make sense. Like it has to be sentences and make sense. But I've kind of started to realize that I think maybe partially on like a deeper level of why writing is something that I haven't implemented in self-care and I probably should is because I'm probably nervous on what I will see because you're right. You have all these thoughts that are constantly going on in your mind. And I was looking through like a bunch of journals. Like I had like a stack of like six journals just from like one year in like middle school. I was like, wow, I was that really was a year. <laughs> It really was. It really was. I drew a lot of eyes. I was into drawing eyes. That was interesting. But I also was talking about the same things over and over again. And it got me thinking like, I wonder if I started to do that now, how that would look. So I love how you talk about that because I think even like things like meditation, it sounds so intimidating. It sounds like it has to look and be a certain way. But the more my practice with yoga has progressed, I realized it literally can be me just like following my breath for a minute after a call because I just need to be grounded. And it doesn't mean that I'm like humming and my hands are in a certain way and my eyes are closed and I'm like over in the corner with incense. Like it doesn't have to be that. It can be simple. And I think that's kind of how like writing and journaling can mm-hmm. be as well. Absolutely. And uh, I still relate to what you said of wanting your handwriting to be perfect. A thought of anxiety that would always come up for me with journaling is what if someone reads this? What if they know what's really going on in my head? And there was so much fear around that. What if someone reads this? But I rather express it in a book that I can read again and again and be able to take like an honest, sober look at myself, which can be scary. Yeah, we are going deep, but I think it will just allow us to, I think it allows people to get empowered by oh, I can actually choose something completely different. I can exemplify behaviors that are not this anymore anytime I choose. And then doing the fun work of, huh, well, who would I be if I got to help that person out? Yes, I absolutely love that. And that kind of got me thinking of something we chatted about when we were connecting last was how we're kind of like not into the whole like laptop on the beach, very like idealistic type of view of entrepreneurship, which is fine if that's your jam, we're not hating, but kind of how we strive to find that balance between when we're working, we are like working 
And when we are playing and having hobbies and having fun and taking time for ourselves, we are off. How does that look for you with that kind of playing a role? Because even like you, you're, you're living in Bali right now. So we all envision it where it's like, you're like doing yoga and then you're like, you're on your laptop and then you're on the beach and like, that's how your days are. But which might be the case. Cool. But <laughs> Right? Exactly. You're literally in the pool with a floaty and then your laptop's like off to the side. (laughs) But I feel like that's unrealistic in a lot of ways, but kind of having those sets like this is now and this is like now, like having those set times of on and off is really healthy, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. I learned very early that I can't mix like business and pleasure at the exact same time. Lucky for me, I love the work that I do, like I love, I have take so much joy in it. And it's been a deliberate choice to put a lot of joy in business. But the separation of the two is important for me in order to access the kind of energy that I want in both of them. I don't think you can be all in if you're in all or said another way. Like I read this in, in a book, everywhere means nowhere. Like if you're just 1% in a hundred different things, are you really showing up and making the level of impact that you want to make? So just really try to do my best of dedicating solid time or at least focus. It's not, it's kind of like meditation. Like a longer meditation isn't necessarily a better meditation. It's how focused, deliberate effort did you put in? A one minute meditation could be better than 10. If for that one minute, you're solely focused on your breathing instead of 10 minutes and your mind is everywhere. So I try to apply that same principle to work and just keeping them separate so that I can really enjoy what makes them different. Yeah, definitely. Because I think especially when you love what you do so much, it's easy that they kind of can blend and mesh together, which is when it can become unhealthy. It's really good to have those boundaries So you can say like, actually, this is when I'm taking care of myself. Actually, this is when I'm working and I'm working really hard and I'm serving my clients and those types of things. I love how you touched on, you're really intentional about bringing joy into your business. I love what I do as well. But how were you intentional with bringing joy in your business? Like how can other people foster that as well? So clarity around your core values, I think is number one, because then you can use those values to build if it's a service-based business, the services you want to provide. So if joy is a value and half of your business is you doing work that you don't like, cutting those offers immediately or perhaps hiring a team member and scaling some of that that they can take on that you know that's their zone of genius, that is work that they feel fulfilled by, that they love. I think it's important that everyone is doing work that they love. So that would be more practical in the offer sense of craft an offer that allows you to experience the most uh, joy, if that's a value, or the most amount of your values possible. And also like bringing the joy deliberately. Like if you are about to do a task that you know needs to get done by you, it can't be delegated. How can you make it? more fun because you are empowered by that choice to make it fun could you throw on like a brand new album that came out could you do it and set little breaks for yourself to watch for me it's like i'll watch five minutes of like stand-up comedy to like to get laughter in the body again i i think if you're changing your physiology you're changing your approach mindfully to the work you're doing too yeah 
Mm, I think that's so good. That kind of makes me think of like when I give people tips for batching and I tell them like, sit down to batch a month of content. People are like, what? And I'm like, the first thing is find your happy place, honestly, because when I you know, used to work on weekends back in the day, so fun, I literally would make it fun where like, I was like, it's a Saturday, so I have no other responsibilities. So I get to go to my favorite coffee shop. I have my music playing. I get my favorite drink, some food, and I'm in, you know, the perfect place to be productive. So I think we often get so much into the routines of like, we're at our co-working space or we're at our at-home office or whatever that looks like when it's like, just do what you really enjoy. Cause some people might really like working at night when it's like really dark, have some candles lit, no music. Like it looks so different for everyone. So tapping into that, I think is actually how you can be really productive because that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is that you can work in ways that you enjoy. You don't have to be in like a cubicle or like Marlon calls his job. He calls it like cubicle farms, which I think is just so funny. <laughs> but it's like, you know, that might not be your most, it's like really funny to think about, <laughs> but it's like, that might not be how you're most productive. So you kind of have that freedom to choose what really makes you happy and how to be most productive. One thing I kind of want to end off on is I feel like whenever we connect, and I think it's so important to have friends like that, where maybe you don't chat all the time, but maybe you chat every few months or every few often, and you can really look at what's happened. Because I think we get so caught up in looking ahead and planning ahead and dreaming of what's next that we forget to be like, wow, it's so interesting to think about when we first met our goals then and where we are now and how that's evolved and how we've grown. And I think we sometimes need to give ourselves credit to all the things we have been able to accomplish and the things we have been able to learn without thinking, okay, but what's next? Being like, okay, this is really amazing and beautiful right now. Like I even had to do that at Alt Summit where there was just so many things going on and it was so amazing. And I was like, Last year, when I saw people at All Summit, I literally was like, I want to attend. Like, I like, I really want to go there and attend. Like, not even thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be there speaking. So I had to kind of give myself that moment where I'm like, that's really amazing. Like, I should be really proud of myself for that. And I feel like we don't do that enough mm, sometimes. That's a great point. Yeah. Celebrating the small wins because they add up. And what you appreciate appreciates. That's something a friend taught me. So if you are appreciating the small wins, that appreciates in itself and gets bigger and amplifies into something more massive so that you're not one day reaching that huge victory and it feeling hollow. Who wants that? Like being able to experience that full joy, like speaking at Alt Summit and knowing all of these other wins brought me here. And this massive win of speaking at Alt Summit is one day going to be a small win because you're going to have even bigger wins to look at too. Exactly. And it's just so important to really enjoy those moments and give yourself the credit for them like we kind of mentioned because, yeah, I think we also are often so concerned with – I know when I started my business, I thought like once I get here – I'm going to like make it. I'm going to have this many clients and be making this much and like, I'm going to be good. But it's never that. It's always a journey. You're always evolving. And if you get to a place and you're happy with that, then I think you might need to set your goals higher. Like it's, it's, it's time to evolve and change. Cause I feel like that's when I started hiring for my team. I was like, everything's going good. Like things are really good. But I'm like, if I'm going to get to that next level, I can't do it all myself. Or like, I need to change things. I need to pivot things because 
I think we often think there's like an end goal, but I feel like there's never an end goal. I don't know. What are your Mm. thoughts on that? I think that life is a massive infinite game. And so it's not like chess where you win and you've reached the, the holy grail of life. I think it's the idea is that you keep playing over and over and over again. And that's how you win is you just keep playing. And um, to your point before, like, I think you can like change your state immediately, right? So if you know that you want to experience more joy, like you can have that right now. And treating the state as a system of operating instead of as a goal, mm. instead of, oh, well, when, when I have this, when I have X, then I'll be happy. Flipping that and being like, oh, when I'm happy, then I'll be in a better position to go after X. I'll be in a better energy that's resourceful for me to go after that dream. So like treating emotions as like a system and then the tangible thing as like the actual goal that you're working towards. So <laughs> yeah, that, that would be my take is if you're after a goal because you're after a feeling, have the feeling right now. And, and if you still want the goal after it, like if you want to make that level of money or you want uh, that relationship, not because it's going to make you happy because you're already happy. If you know that this is still clearly what you want, what a fun way to go after that goal instead of chasing right? something from an energy of unhappiness. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with that. That is like the perfect way to end this conversation. We could literally chat for like hours. Like we could. Once we're in the same time zone, we probably will. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time and just for all the stories and expertise that you shared. I'm sure we'll, you'll be back on the podcast for sure. But if people want to connect with you, learn more from you, or just say hi, where can they find you? Oh, I love you. Thank you for having me here. They can find me on Instagram. Hit me up anytime and here for you. Yes, perfect. Well, thank you for tuning in and we'll chat with you later. Thank you so much to today's expert guests for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you've heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps for our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.